to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And thank you to our sponsors, ProWritingAid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. ProWritingAid is oh, it's so much more than those grammar mm. checkers that you might find on the internet. Um, I use it as a style editor, writing mentor, and I also use it because it integrates Mark with Scrivener. It also integrates with my Google Docs, the, the Gmails, the, the mails that I write, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, pretty much pretty much everything. Uh, and it's actually designed for the smarter writer, which is all of our lovely listeners. So as a listener of The Best Seller Experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. If you'd like to try ProWritingAid out, and we know that loads of you have, thank you so much for letting us know how much it's changing your life. You just pop along to ProWritingAid.com forward slash bestseller. Mr. Stay, hello, hello from snowy climbs of the great, the great white west. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it snowing behind it you. It's absolutely behind you. fantastic. Dumping snowmageddon in Canada, folks. It's Who just knew? Here. It's no just one ever told me. Here. Although, <laughs> although apparently, apparently we might be um, having new residents on Vancouver Island. So we've heard. <laughs> so don't tell them about all this snow. Well, maybe that's why they're coming here. Who knows? Yeah, oh, everyone's exactly. gone bonkers about it. But um, how's your week been, Mark? Have you got snow in England? No, no, it's grey and dull. But, but, here's a segue, I've been snowed in by all the BXP 2020 chat on social media. <laughs> eh? Hey, well, that, that was that? almost scripted, Mark. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So what's been going on? Because I've, I've also been, I've had my head down trying to keep up with the BXP 2020 challenge. If I you can't, missed you last, can't. It's impossible. It's it impossible. Is, if, you, if you missed last week's episode, by the way, folks, go back and listen to it. It was our live show um, where we have revealed quite a few amazing things that have happened on BXP20, but we've got even more great stuff to reveal. But what what have you been hearing at your end, Mark? Oh, it's, uh, it seriously is. I cannot keep up with the social media. This is, this is like... Um, it's like a BBC podcast or something like that. It's just we, we are drowning in uh, just folks. If you want to look at this, have a look at the hashtag BXP2020 and you'll see some of the testimony that we've had from people who've signed up to the BXP2020 challenge. If you don't know what that is, if you want 2020 to be your best writing year, if you want to write and finish your book, you want to create a lifetime writing habit, then the BXP2020 challenge is for you. And it all starts by writing 200 words a day. Uh, where Jack Logan got in touch. He said, first week uh, is done. And I wrote 3,468 words. Committing to write just 200 words a day has meant I actually wrote more than double that. It's never too late to get started. So thanks for that. Brilliant. Jack. Well done, Jack. Now this, I love this exchange. And this is from Darren James. We've got an announcement to make about Darren when, when we get past this. Um, but Darren has taken taken this on, the BXP 2020 challenge. I'm really impressed that writing a little a day, 350 words today, can get me so much further with my story. I have no outline or real direction for my novel, but tonight an opportunity opened up for a whole new subplot idea. And Susan O'Neill replied to her on Twitter, who's at Bookie O'Neill, uh, she said, yes, I'm loving the fact that everything stays in my head 
better than I would just writing a couple of times a week. And that's such an important thing, isn't it? It's that thing of just staying in the mode, just just constantly keeping that motor ticking over. It's so yeah, important. Absolutely. Now, Darren, Darren, very special uh, announcement for Darren. Darren banked the millionth word year to date so big congratulations to Darren there thank you so much that's amazing and just to explain what that means people are like what's that mean banking we if you take part in this challenge your accountability is to actually submit your word count every day to us the bestseller experiments mates and you basically have to come to a website you put in the word count that you did even if you did less than 200 or 3000 as some people have done and you bank your words and we we're basically totaling up every single day how many words have been written and literally i think it was yesterday mark it happened i was watching with intent who would be that who would be submitting the their set of the daily words to pass 1 million so congratulations to everyone who's actually submitted words because you've been a part of this incredible total we are only just a week over uh, into this experiment we've got the whole year now and it's going to keep on ramping up so i'm just blown away so well done to everyone who's doing that and if you haven't signed up yet you've got to get over to bxp2020.com that's where you can sign up but mark there's even more there's even more social media on this yeah we had ed howard on the bxp group he said i've just managed a 14 day streak Ten thousand words in the bag. Absolutely mad stuff. Never been this consistent. And, and that's the thing. It's changing the way people are writing. Autumn Thorne, who is at Spooky Histories on Twitter, six hundred twenty-five words yesterday. Three hundred fifty words t- today. I've now got a completed first draft of the introduction and chapter one of my current project. And in just two weeks, it works, people. It really, really works. So get involved. Absolutely. It works for all of us as well, because we're doing it. Your wife's doing it, Mark, isn't she? Mm, yes, um, she's loving it. There, there are lots of people that are doing this who've never, ever even written. So, you know, if you know anyone out there who's who's secretly harboring the idea of one day writing a book, this will be the thing that will push them over the edge. So I, I mention it to absolutely everyone. When, wherever I am, I always talk about it. I'm a bit obsessed with it, actually. People are kind of thinking, oh, will you shut up? But I mention it to everyone I meet because you just never know. It always surprises me. The people you least expect to potentially take part in this um, often do. So you could be that person who mentions it to a friend who that friend could end up writing a book just because you gave them the kind of route into making this a habit. And that's what this is all about, folks. And there's going to be a lot more we're going to be talking about on the podcast in the coming weeks around habit building as well. Well, uh, talking about habit building, talking about someone who'd never written anything before, let's segue seamlessly again to our special guest this week, who is Caroline Mitchell. Uh, Caroline is an international number one and New York Times, USA Today and Washington Post bestselling author. She's from Ireland but lives in Essex. She's a former police detective. Her most recent book, Silent Victim, reached the Amazon number one spot in the UK, US and Australia. Uh, Truth and Lies recently became uh, a number one New York Times bestseller and has been optioned for TV. Caroline's story is remarkable. In September, she tweeted that she sold a million copies of her books. So I, I reached out to got in touch and this is such a fun and really surprising interview there's 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 one thing in here which completely threw me but also listeners now when you're listening to this i want you to play bestseller experiment bingo all right so listen at the end and we'll see if anyone's won because caroline ticks so many boxes so uh shall we jump in and have a listen yes let's jump in this is mark speaking with the amazing caroline mitchell 
Caroline Mitchell, welcome to the Bestseller Experiment. How are you today? Hi, yeah, great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Our absolute pleasure. And one of the reasons we got in touch was you blogged and tweeted recently, in September, in fact, you tweeted that you had sold a million copies of your books. Huge congratulations on that. How did that feel? Oh, thank you. Oh, it was a dream come true. I think when you start off as an author, you set all these goals for yourself. So that was a major one. And uh, I was it felt very surreal when it did happen. So yeah, very pleased. So it, it was an actual goal because very often I'll talk to authors on here and they'll be like, well, I didn't really, I just wrote the book. I got published. I've got, I, I go with the flow or whatever. But Selling a million, that was one of your goals, was it? Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm a real goal setter. I think you have to have something to aim for. Otherwise, there's days, you know, you just need that little bit of push to keep going. So, yeah, I don't think I'd be very, I'd get very far without goals and plans and things. So, yeah, that was a definite goal. <laughs> wow. Well, that, as, as we'll talk, listeners, pay attention because there's one or two things that Caroline has done that I think might be on that bucket list of goals. Uh, there's some very exciting stuff we'll talk about towards the end but let, let's start from the beginning because were you were you always a writer as a child was it always something that you wanted to do yeah I've always had a vivid imagination and uh, when I went to school I always remember my teachers used to write in the report card that I had brains if only I'd use them and stop looking out the window <laughs> and I think another one was uh, daydream is her middle name was on another report card because I was just forever daydreaming so I think yeah I did have quite a good imagination but I never uh, thought I'd be an author one day no that would have been a bit too wild of a fantasy even back then <laughs> see daydreaming daydreaming is a much underrated part of the whole writing process isn't it staring out the window is is a big part of my day I don't know about you and and it was so lovely because thanks to the power of Facebook and social media I actually got back in touch with my principal from from all so many years ago who wrote that and uh, sent him a copy of my book and he was absolutely thrilled and I said to him well there's room in the world for daydreamers (laughs) (laughs) he was really pleased he reads all my books now which is really nice (laughs) brilliant were you encouraged to write as a child because we'll 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 hear contradictory things from some people some people had a great teacher or 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 a parent or a friend who spurred them on other people were told oh no knuckle down have something to fall back on um, yeah, I grew up in, in the countryside in Ireland, very ordinary lives. We didn't aspire to do very much, really. So, no, it wasn't anything I, I ever thought I would have done. Um, so, no, I, I spent a lot of time in the library, enjoyed reading and writing. But no, that, that wasn't, you know, ever encouraged or even myself, I would never have imagined that I could make a living out of it. So, no, <laughs> not for me at the time. OK, but then you you worked in the police force, didn't you? Tell us about that. Yes, that's right. I came to live in England uh, with my husband and joined the police. And uh, I always remember ringing up my mum and telling her. And she, <laughs> the first thing she said was, they let an Irish woman in the English police. She couldn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember that lovely moment. Bless her. She was always so proud. She couldn't believe that I got into the police. But uh, yeah, they did take me, strangely enough. And, and I spent nine years there. And, and as you know, it, it provided great inspiration for my books. But it certainly was a, a very varied role. I, I worked to many different departments. I, I met a lot of amazing people and I learned an awful lot over that time. I'd like to talk more about that in a minute, but let's talk about your first book because the story behind how this got published is extraordinary. And I mean extraordinary because it started with an exorcism and that's a first for the podcast. So well done on that. T- tell us how Paranormal Intruder came about. Yeah, it, it all seems very surreal when I look back upon it now. And, and it's kind of like this really awful part of my life, I suppose, that had a really big silver lining. 
So um, we did have uh, several incidents happen, which I suppose the only thing you could call them were supernatural at the time because we had absolutely no other explanation for them. And it's it's really trying to fit in a very, very long story and try and cut it short, which <laughs> is very difficult to do because it went on over several years. And, and we really? had these things happen, uh, to my husband in particular, and uh, things would just move on their own and you'd hear growling noises and he'd be scratched. And it wasn't the house. It was really just aimed at him. It didn't matter where we went. Things just happened oh. to him. And we had lots of witnesses. I mean, as you say, I was in the police at the time. So we had over 30 witnesses who uh, from the police, you know, so many people that would stay and watch things and just not believe what they were seeing. And uh, in the end, we had so many people ask us about it. And, and my husband just said to me, why don't you just put it in a book and then <laughs> publish it? And then you can just say to people, look, this is what's happened. Here it is, rather than keep repeating ourselves, you know, because it's so <laughs> what's happened. So so that's what I did. And I honestly didn't think anything would come of it at the time. I self-published it and, and put it out there for friends and family. And it just kind of took off, I, I suppose, because it was so authentic and so true and so real. I mean, things were still happening in the house even when I was writing about it and it took us a year to get the exorcism arranged um, from the Catholic Church because we had to be interviewed by them and we had to jump through lots of hoops that you wouldn't believe. And uh, But thankfully they did help us in the end and, and thankfully got rid of whatever it was that was making our lives a living hell. And um, yeah, it kind of, after I finished writing the book, I just felt this emptiness in my life and I thought you know what I want to write about something I'll actually enjoy now because I didn't particularly enjoy rehashing all of those horrible things and that's when I wrote my crime series but I did in that series I did put a bit of supernatural running through it because it just felt right at the time I felt like it's what was going on in my own life so and that's when it really took off but yeah I suppose as I say it was a silver lining to a very dark cloud. Wow that's incredible so you you started writing this book, Paranormal Intruder. Was this the first thing that you'd written since, say, school, or had you been writing other books in the background while you were working for the police? No, I'd never written anything in my life before, apart from <gasps> essay in school. So that was my first uh, delve into writing. And I remember I wrote the manuscript and I sent it off to get it um, looked at by a freelance editor and, and she just tore it in half, really. She just tore me to the <laughs> I said to my husband, right, I'm not right. I, I can't write. I'm no good at it. I'm, I put it in a drawer. I said, I'm not looking at it. I'm rubbish. I was very sensitive. So I just started <laughs> a new writer and every bit of criticism was just like awful. So I put it away for a year and I didn't touch it. I couldn't look at it. And, and my husband just, bless him, <laughs> kept on at me and said, look, people are still asking me, just put it out there. It'll be fine. And, and I got a, a better editor who worked with me then to help improve it and make it a bit more legible and understandable because I didn't really understand the uh, nuts and bolts of writing of how to get a story out there, how to assemble it so it made sense, yet keep up a little bit of pace, although it was a true story. So you can only, you know, the story dictates the pace. But um, yeah, we worked together and, and it all came together really well. And I put it out there and I was really surprised at uh, how popular it became because even now it still hits the number one bestseller in the supernatural category. I'm sure they all hate me, all the other authors in the supernatural category. <laughs> up there so often and uh, um but yeah it, it did really well and i'm very grateful that uh, you know it all came together so you wrote this book it got a great reception so you had a little taste of the whole process 
and you decided to go on. Uh, and and what was what was the first book you wrote after Paranormal Intruder? And what what were the big lessons that you took with you when writing that? Yeah, that was Don't Turn Around. And and then, you know, I started to dream, I think, because I really did want to leave the police. Not because it wasn't a bad job. It was a very good career. I mean, I've been in there nine years and I was a detective constable and, and I had a really good job. But I had four kids at home and I worked really long hours and, uh, you know, I, I was just tired. And I, sometimes I'd be on duty and I'd get call out in the middle of the night and, and deal with rapes and things. And you'd know you're not going home for eight, 12, 16 hours, you know, when that would mm. be. And it was quite stressful at the time. And I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd love to working from home would be a dream come true. And I started to kind of I'm a firm believer in the law of attraction. I know it's not for everyone, but it, it really, really did work for me. So I, I watched The Secret. I did what everyone does, started planning and putting together what I wanted out of life. And, and little by little, it, it all came together. And once I could see that goal and that focus, I set myself daily goals to write a certain amount every day. And I mean, that was harder because then I was really putting pressure on myself because I had my full-time job. I had my four kids at home and I had bills to pay like everyone else. And I was commuting. They moved me further. Um, so it was a really long commute every day as well. But I was on the train every day. So I just brought my laptop on the train and that's where I would write. I'd write an hour. I'd get up at half five in the morning. I'd write on the train that morning, get some very strange looks from people as they looked over my shoulder <laughs> And, and then I'd come <laughs> home on the train. And, and that's what I did for, you know, quite a while until the book got finished. Um, but it was worth it. I, as you say, it was a lot of sacrifice at the time, but it was worth it because, um, yeah, I went on to get a deal with Bookature, who were new. So it did feel like, the you know, all the timings and everything came together just at the right time. Well, speaking as a fellow train novelist, uh, I can attest to the strange looks. I've even had people ask me to read stuff out to them on the train, which is uh, a bit weird as well. Um, but the whole law of attraction secret thing, my co-presenter, Mark DeVoe, he loves this stuff. He's going to be listening to this, scribbling away little notes. This will absolutely delight him. But you're talking about setting goals. And when you're writing on the train, were you setting yourself sort of daily targets, daily goals? Yes, definitely. I had to hit uh, my daily word targets because I use Scrivener and I love the daily words. You know, it, it counts how many words you've written, how many you have yeah. to do. You put your date in the future. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm not saying I always hit it. There were days when you just like, it's like going to the gym, isn't it? There's days when you just think, oh, no, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I then I'd look monthly and, and see, you know, how I did at the end of the month and, and obviously reschedule then to, to hit that. But, yeah, you have to be quite determined in the area days because you don't even know if it's going to go anywhere and there are times when you just think oh I'm, I'm putting enough on my shoulders as it is you know why do I want to keep going with this but I was encouraged I was encouraged by the readers who bought my self-published book with little or no promotion and which did really well so I was encouraged by that and I was also encouraged by like I say I'm not a religious person but I did have this faith and this law of attraction and I felt like it's common sense really isn't it that if you put yourself out there and you work really hard for what you want then you will find the right people who can help you along the way. And I was very lucky to be able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the biggest lessons we've learned on the podcast over the last three years. So you you signed up with Bookature. As you say, Bookature, I mean, you said they're quite new then. They still feel quite new now. Uh, and I think at the time they'd had a couple of hits, but now, you know, I think every book they put out there tends to scrabble up the, the Amazon charts. So what was your experience with them? How did, did they find you or did you find them? 
Yeah, well, it was great. I was looking. I didn't have an agent at the time, so I, you know, I had tried, and I've inevitably, like everyone who starts up, and most people, they get turned down at the beginning, and I didn't let it put me off. Um, I, I just thought, well, I'm just going to go for unsolicited submissions, and Bookature, thankfully, were taking unsolicited submissions, so I didn't need an agent to apply to them, and and they were absolutely brilliant. I mean, um, Keshni Nadu, their um, editor, was uh, keenly yes. looking for crime thrillers, and myself and Angie were the first two crime books to be published with them so that was really great we became good friends and we used to chat and and I remember our late night conversations with Angie saying oh my, my book is coming out into the world and I said it's like my baby I said oh everyone's going to love it and she said well what if it's like an ugly baby what if everyone hates it but you know everyone's the same everyone has the same insecurities starting off but it you know generally it does work out if you're determined enough and, and you know you're able to do what you need to do then yeah no Book of were brilliant and I, I wrote several books with them I wrote a couple of series and uh it all went really well. And um, then just after my second series, which was my Ruby Preston series, I was talking to um, editors from Amazon Publishing, and that's when I got with them. Fantastic. And now you just chucked in there, you wrote several books, a couple of series. You just blithely tossed that out there. That's a lot of work, Caroline. How did you How did you manage that? Now, was there a point where you were able to step away from, from the police full-time? Yes, thankfully. It was during my first series with Bookature that I was able to leave my full-time job in the police. It, it was still a big risk because... You know, I was putting a lot of faith in my future and my writing. But my husband's been so encouraging from the start. And he just said, no, just come on. If you feel you can do it and you'll be able to be a lot more productive without working. I mean, the beauty of writing, obviously, is you can start off and work and write at the same time. But there's going to be a time where you reach burnout and you can't do both and you're not giving your best to both. So I, I thought I owed it to myself to be able to give my best to what I was going to do. And that's when I left. And all my colleagues were saying, oh, you're crazy. You're giving up a good career. You're giving up your pension. But I, funny enough, when I joined the police, I always said, uh, I won't see 10 years in the police. I always said, I'll be gone before I'm 10 years. It's not something I'm going to do forever because it was dangerous as well. And I didn't want to be risking myself and putting myself out there when I had kids at home, you know. And it was funny. The day I left, it was... Uh, just a couple of weeks before my ninth year in the police just worked out that way. So it came wow. through, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it did help. Yeah. Being able to work full time uh, on writing. It's really weird though. When I first left, I found it really hard to ground myself and actually get any sort of structure. But uh, in time you do, you know, you do get structure and you do kind of get used to being your own boss. And it worked out really well for me. And I'm now on my 11th book. So I've always been quite productive, but I've slowed down now. I do two every 18 months now. But with books, I think I was doing something like three a year because I was working. The thing is I was galloping along because I was used to working such long hours. So I just kept going with those long hours. Wow. I mean, that's, that's just remarkable. It's proper dream come true stuff, isn't it? And it, you're right in that finding that new routine, particularly if you already have a routine with a day job or whatever, That's um, it takes a while to find your feet there, doesn't it? But it's been paying off, you know. So 
the first book was was Don't Turn Around. What was the reception to that like? Were you feeling like, okay, I've made the right decision here, I'm doing the right thing? Oh, absolutely, yes. And my colleagues, of course, all spread the word as well, which is great because they were all um, seeing little inklings of things people had said. And, you know, I used to write down all the little bits of banter when I was working in there and say, oh, can I use this? And then, of course, they don't. <laughs> and uh, so it was very popular within uh, the Essex police, you know, and even now, I mean, only yesterday I was talking to one of my old colleagues, which is lovely. And they say, oh, my mom loves all your books and she reads them, which is great. So I had a lot of support from my colleagues and, and it just seemed to spread then further. I feel Bookature helped me get that reach that I, I couldn't get with my self-published book because I was new. You know, I didn't really understand how it all worked. So they were brilliant and I got a great reach with them and social media was great. And I certainly would advise anyone starting off. I mean, I have nothing against self-publishing. I, I, I definitely would self-publish in the future if it, you know, if it came that way that it happened to be and it worked out that way. I'd have no qualms against self-publishing. And I would advise people to certainly learn social media. I know people say, oh, but I don't know how to use it. Well, you have to learn it then because it's, Mm-hmm. Writing is a business and social media is a tool and you have to put yourself out there. Even if you're an introvert like me and you don't go out that much to, you know, occasions, you can certainly still meet people from the comfort of your own home and go into Facebook groups where people just love books. You're, you've got your whole readership right there, you know, and, and just go in and introduce yourself and talk to them and share your love of books. Don't spam people, but get to know people. And certainly Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those are, are there, you know, for people if they want them. That's absolutely wonderful advice. And I guess the thing with something like Bookature and Thomas and Mercer is they have, they kind of like self-publishing, but because they're very digital first, they're very fast, they, they're not as slow as, as, as some of the, the more mainstream publishers, some of the bigger publishers. So they have that speed and dyna- dynamism to them, uh, but you get the support from them as well, don't you? Oh, definitely. I love that side of it because I'd I'd had that with self-publishing the first book. I did like to see things go on quickly and and you like to get your cover up. And, you know, and when I write quite quickly as well, it's really nice to have that movement and have that reach as well. Definitely. I know you do miss out in ways you don't see your books in shops in the UK, but I have had quite a few foreign deals. I've been very fortunate. I got an agent and and a brilliant agent. uh, when I started with Thomas and Mercer. So she, she's got me some great foreign deals. And we went on a cruise and it was a lovely moment to go into a bookshop in Genoa and see my book sitting on the shelf there. Like <laughs> nearly crying, holding this book up in the air. I even bought it, even though I couldn't understand the language. But it was such a lovely moment, you know. But I'm happy to, to sacrifice seeing my, my books in the shops over here if, if it's reaching, as you say, a million, a million readers. And even now I can't quite believe that a million people have... Well, over a million people have read them, you know, by now, considering the prime reads and things like that. But um, mm. actually to have that many people buy and, and enjoy my work is just a dream come true. And I love hearing from them as well because I get emails all the time and that's just great. It is wonderful. Following you on social media and looking at your blog as well, it's, it is such a positive, you get such a positive vibe. It's one celebration after another. And recently, you know, had had the million copy sold thing, which was brilliant, but also your Amy Winter books, they've been option for TV. Now, listen, as I was talking earlier about setting goals and having dreams, was this this must have been a dream and a goal that you set for yourself to to be on TV. Oh, that was the biggest one of all. 
<laughs> I've always had a fascination for TV, for uh, writing for TV. I'd love to write screenplay one day when time allows. Uh, that would be the ultimate goal. And to have any of my work uh, on any kind of screen <laughs> would be brilliant. I was happy enough when I got into it, when I got audiobooks produced, because they do such a wonderful job. But to get the option, uh, and with such a great company who's who's just um, got Susan Hill's book uh, in for Channel 5, I think it is. So, yeah, yeah. to kind of hopefully follow in her footsteps has just been, yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic stuff. Now, you've got a new book coming out, The Perfect Mother. Tell us about that. Oh, yes, The Perfect. I, I'm very lucky that I get to write both crime and police procedurals and standalone psych thrillers, which I, I think is great because if I have new readers who haven't read my work, they don't really want to jump into a series halfway through. So they'll buy, say, like the standalone psych thriller. And then if they enjoy that, then they commit to the series. So it works out great. And it's also like a little refresher in between books that I get to change genres. So I really enjoy that. So I had this idea in my head of this girl from Ireland who uh, found herself, she got pregnant and wanted to give her baby up to this couple who she met online in the US. And it, it was it's a bit like Juno, really, with a very dark edge. So she goes over to New York <laughs> and she meets this very secretive celebrity couple who don't reveal her, their identity until she gets over there. And recently I, I was in New York because I was um, nominated for an award and, and I was great. I got, I got flown over there and it was absolutely brilliant. But I was this Irish girl who was a complete tourist, who was just totally awe of where I was and I thought I've got to capture this and write this in a book this feeling of being completely blown away by your surroundings and then she, she meets this really glamorous couple and she stays in their luxury basement but not all is as it seems as in most of my books there's lots of twists and turns and I won't spoil the ending but uh, yeah I love the dynamics between Roz the girl from Ireland quite naive and, and the dynamics of this very wealthy celebrity power couple and, and the woman it's a bit hand that rocks the crazy type thing you know so I had great fun writing it and uh, I'm hoping my readers will enjoy it as I say it's out after Christmas in January sounds terrific now you mentioned Angela earlier Angela Marsons who we, we had on the show a little while ago and she mentioned how important her partner Julie was so we've been saying to listeners have you got a Julie have you got some <laughs> now your husband's been like a so can we give can we hear, get, get his name and give him a shout out on the oh, podcast? Oh, definitely. Neil, Neil has been absolutely brilliant. You do need someone. And I've also got a really good, another author friend, Mel Sherish, as I'm sure you know Mel well, <laughs> who's been absolutely brilliant support as well. And we talk to each other all the time, encouraging each other. But you definitely do need someone there. But yeah, I mean, as I say, when I left my job, it was such a massive leap of faith. And Neil just encouraged me all the way. So he was absolutely brilliant. But I do say to people, I know not everyone has that immediate support from partners and I can kind of understand it as well it's a precarious world going into writing so go online and, and find that support there's so many great groups out there but yeah definitely um, where would we be without support <laughs> absolutely Neil we salute you Julie we salute you once more <laughs> Mel I've bumped into Mel a few times and for some reason, I've never had on the podcast. So we must correct that as soon as possible. Mel Sharrick, get in touch. We'll drop you a line. <laughs> She's very inspirational. You have to talk to Mel. She inspired me a lot in my early days because I got in touch with her when I started writing because I saw she was a housing officer before she left her job. And, and I used to work mm. with housing officers. And I just thought, I'm going to speak to this lady because if she can do it, you know, and go from a housing officer to as she sold herself over a million copies, then I can do it, you know, because it just inspires you. And uh, 
uh, yeah, we've we've been best friends ever since. So uh, definitely been very fortunate to have all these supportive people in my life. Wonderful stuff. And what's next for you, Caroline? Oh, I'm deep in edits at the moment. <laughs> so I've got to hand them in. And that's for my uh, third, I had to kind of lose and count, third Amy Winter book. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, they're being handed in this week. So um, I'm my 10th coffee, I think, today. And I need to, <laughs> to keep me going. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule because I know what edits are like, that it, it can be all-consuming. And talking to us today, this has just been so inspirational. Thank you, Caroline Mitchell. I hope to speak to you again real soon. Thank you. Oh, my goodness, Mark. Where do we start? Where? <laughs> well, let's let's start. Let's start with a bestseller experiment bingo. Okay, let's okay, start go with on. that. That's good. Okay, so she sets herself daily goals to write. She's got a full time job. She's got four kids. She writes on her commute on the train. Yeah. Okay. She uses Scrivener. Tick. She's got a supportive <laughs> partner Neil. Big shout out to Neil. Okay. And she's into your kind of woo woo stuff, like the law of attraction. The law of the attraction. Secret. I mean, it's like if we put Caroline into to a author making machine and pressed all the bestseller experiment <laughs> buttons boop, beep, boop, she, boop, boop, out she comes she it's incredible it's amazing and even the fact that she had she had the, the the daily goals and and not just daily goals but she had the insane goals the dream goals that i've been banging yeah. on about yeah, for like yeah, yeah. three years now about you know she wanted to sell a million books and that was one of the first things that she mentioned i absolutely love it and yet on top of all of that mark on top of all of that She's honest enough to say things like everyone's has the same insecurities and, and, and is, yeah. and is real about the fact that all the things we all actually know, but rev- never really realized collectively as a community that everyone out there, um, you know, even if you're a million selling author still struggle with. So it's yeah. absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. No, she's absolutely wonderful. I really, really enjoyed chatting to her. And I, uh, the thing that also just completely, an exorcism. It all started. She hadn't written anything, and it all started with her processing what was clearly a traumatic experience, putting it on paper, putting it out there as a book, and then suddenly it's still topping the Amazon Supernatural. I checked today. It's like number three or something on the Supernatural True Stories chart on Amazon. Which it's still is, ticking over. It does show you, though. It does show you that the you know all these things that we we can't can't explain it's partly my attraction to this this kind of world of of the inexplainable the unknown the beyond our lifetime the what we can see in this in this moment um it does show you just how many people out there are fascinated by this and so i think caroline's really hit something like a gold mine really in some ways from a from a writing perspective because one writing for her was a therapy it was a way of getting it onto paper and getting it out of her head because it must have been incredibly challenging and we've talked about that a lot about how you know even just journaling every day can be huge but for her she actually like journaled her her book into existence and but also she's she's hit that incredibly um challenging thing for most people which is writing something where there's an audience and there's an audience that will feast on this ongoing, like for a long time, this book is going to keep selling for years and years because it's, it's timeless. It's evergreen in some ways. And, um, and she's obviously done a great job as well. I mean, you know, you have to write a decent story ultimately, but, uh, I, am just amazed at seeing how it's, this has just got this momentum and wheels and, uh, we no doubt paying a pension, you know, many years from now. Well, it's interesting. She mentioned there some of her friends when she quit her day job, her friends were saying, oh, you're giving up your pension. Of course, she was a police officer and police pensions, you know, are are pretty good. And there is that danger of walking away from it. But I do 
worry about you know living for your pension that thing of you know i'm just going to keep i'm going to put my dreams to one side because i'll I'll do the traveling when the pension happens you know and it's um you've got to you've got life is happening right now you know you've you've, you've got to get on with it right now and that's what she did she you know she set herself those daily goals she wrote on the train she wrote in all those spare minutes she did that you know little and often every day building that habit so uh and it's really paid off and actually, it's, it's an in, I know it's a bit of a segue talking about writing and pensions, but I think it's a really interesting point because when, you know, we, if, you, if you're in an office job and you get, you get that, you know, that pension contribution every month, you know that by the time you retire, you'll hopefully have enough in the pot to actually retire. And a lot of people think as writers, well, you know, actually, I can keep writing till the day I die, which we all hope we can do ultimately. But I also think it's nice to have the option, isn't it? It'd be nice to have the option at 65 or 60 to say, you know what, I've I've earned enough money now from my writing that I can choose whether I want to keep writing or I could write something that isn't necessarily going to be commercial, might be a memoir or something else. Um, But I think every writer should be thinking like Caroline did. I mean, Caroline said, I want to sell a million books. But you could be saying, I'd like, I'd like one of my books to be my, my pension. I want my, I know, and you could put a figure to that. You could say, I want to have a pension of this many thousand dollars or, or pounds and, and work out how many books you'd have to sell. And it becomes your pension book. And, you know, that can be another way of thinking about it. And so some people get really stuck on this idea of, oh, I'm, I'm selling out if I'm going to try and write something that's commercial or something that sells. But if we change it from being a bestseller to a pension maker, that might give people more of a direct reason for doing it ultimately. It's it's interesting. I, I, I interviewed just yesterday an author who started out writing something literary and switched to something commercial. And stay tuned for that, listeners, because that'll be coming up uh, probably in uh, a couple of months, maybe. We've got a bit of a backlog of interviews. But it, it, it was fascinating listening to the decisions that she made. Uh, also, Caroline mentioned Mel Sharrett. I did interview Mel. Mel is also going to be a future guest on the show. And that was a really fun, entertaining interview. So stay tuned for that fantastic stuff and there's so much going on on the podcast right now and we have an announcement to make folks actually we are going to be going to every other week with the monday podcasts and we'll be doing specials that we'll you'll get um, in between as well as reruns that we'll be handpicking things that we think are have got you know timeless advice and the reason that we're doing that is very very exciting mark and i are working on something very big and mm. we are going to be announcing that very soon patrons will hear about it first so if you would like to become a patron pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support but we'll be making a big announcement at some point in the very near future won't we mark we will so just to be clear new episodes every other monday deep dives for the patrons as usual Okay, and in between those new episodes, we're going to be running classic episodes. I suspect we'll probably run them from episode one and go all the way through because the thing we're discovering is those episodes are so evergreen. The advice that we get from so many of our authors is is still still holds up now. Although interesting, having listened to some of those early episodes, we sound a bit sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? It's like a younger <laughs> yeah. younger self. We're, like, we're, <laughs> we're like rabbit in the headlights. Really. <laughs> I know, but it's that, that's what's so brilliant about documenting this whole journey is that you get to look back like old photos. You think, oh my gosh, did I really look that young? And I think it's it's kind of useful as well because it 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 
with all of our, it's like, it's like an author looking back at the books they've written. They might be reading their first book and thinking, wow, look at the progress. Look at what's changed since then. Um, but it's also really important to go back because that first year of our podcast was the year that we were up against it. We were doing, I mean, the BXP 2020 challenge was 200 words a day. We, we were having to churn out a lot more than that to get the book written and published. And we're finding that a lot of people who, who go back and we've gone back and listened to lots of them as well. And we've realized that it's so good to remind ourselves of a lot of those things that that are always relevant no matter where we are in our career and we forget very easily um, some of the really important things that we should all be doing so we hope you enjoy the reruns and we look forward also to making the big announcement very soon and we're not going to be sort of relaxing in our hammocks sipping on daiquiris we're going to be, we are working <laughs> really hard yeah we are working because this podcast is pretty much a full-time job and this other thing we're working on is also a full-time job absolutely. so we're going to be uh we're going to be working that so watch this space folks watch uh, this absolutely space. and um yeah we should also thank our guest caroline mitchell for for being such an incredible guest she did talk about the law of attraction you know i think we need mm. to touch on that because it's something which uh, it, it, people either it's like Marmite people either go for it 100% or they just like poo-poo it but I think from a perspective of what Caroline was saying about goals really if it doesn't if you don't believe in law of attraction if you don't think this idea of what you put out into the world is what you get back and I do I think absolutely 100% then what the basics of what actually resulted from that which was her setting her goals um, is going to help anyone so even if people look, listen to that and think, oh, law of attraction, whatever, I'm, my question to you is, but have you set any goals? Because without setting any goals, you're really getting in the car. You, you, you've, not got no you've got no destination that you're heading for. You just get in the car and drive until you run out of gas, literally. And that's what happens with most people. They run out of gas and they quit writing. So they think, oh, this is too hard. So my question to you is, where are you heading this year? What are your big goals? Have you written down a list and have you got on that list the crazy goals as well? Like put down things that you think are realistic, but also, you know, turn off the um, the, 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 the skepticism and say, what could I actually, what would I actually love to happen in my wildest dreams if I could uh, wake up, you know, this time next year and be, be rubbing my eyes a bit like Caroline? I mean, the way she talks, she still talks about being in awe of what's happened, isn't she, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the law of attraction thing, I mean, the whole business around Jack Canfield. He's clearly made a lot of money from this. Uh, I, I, there's definitely something in the idea that what you put into the world, you get something out. You know, uh, the Beatles said it. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make, you know. Um, but this idea that uh, positive and negative thoughts is a bit woo-woo for me. But if you are someone who works hard, who sets goals, who uh, has dreams to sell a million and you work hard to make those things happen then the odds of that happening are definitely going to go up you know you're gonna and even if you do get sidetracked even if you would have done something to to set you on a road i mean i like my story is i wanted to be an actor never became harrison ford you know but on the way i discovered i was a much better writer than i was an actor and i've just and now i'm hosting a podcast but <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you end up going down these weird little roads and discovering things. And unless you set out on the road, you'll, you won't discover anything. Yeah. And every and everything that you're doing right now is kind of I, I always think of it as like the big plan. And it's the it's the, the doorways that you, you haven't yet reached that you don't know what may happen as a result of 
for example, for our listeners doing the 2020 challenge, like what might happen? What might be, what might be the knock-on effects of having done, started that mm. today? We have no idea. We have no idea where the podcast is going to be next, next year. We don't really know, you know, within six months, who are some of the amazing guests we're going to be getting on this show, although we are kind of booked up for a fair while. But <laughs> there's so many things that we don't know. And I think that's the beauty of life. It's the mystery of life. And um, and I've, I've got to say, Mark, you know, I agree with Caroline. I, and I've said this for many years, and I've done seminars on the law of attraction as well. I I really have embodied and lived that throughout my life, and I can I can be a testament to it working in my life. And and I and and once you once you try it and you see, but the thing is, it doesn't work unless you believe it will work. So maybe what it is ultimately, if we get rid of all of the the woo woo, as Mark would say, it's about do you believe that something is going to happen. Do you believe that one day you might become a writer? Because I go back to this. I said this before. I'll say it a million times until everyone gets it. But until you believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you. So it starts with belief, whether it's law of attraction or just, yeah, I can do this. I know I know I can improve as a writer. I can always improve. But I believe that one day I've shown up on this planet to be able to write and publish a book and that people will be out there enjoying that book. And And what happens beyond that you know, that's sometimes in the, you know, in the, in the spiritual world, it's like that's in the hands of the universe. That just, there's so many different things that can happen that we don't know, but we have to be open to it for it to happen. And uh, yeah, so there you go. Well, um, well, I'll tell you about the here's, 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 where, here's where I stand. Here's where I go stand. On. Yeah. If I have a cold, I'm not going to believe that my cold will get better, but I will take some vitamin C. I will take action to make my cold get better. There you go. That's the That's... realistic, grounded version of that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we, I've done an experiment, which I'd love you to try one day, Mark. It'd be very interesting for you to try it. It involves carrot tops. And if anyone's ever been to seminars where you, you think about the thoughts that we put out into the world create a knock-on effect this experiment is phenomenal and i've done it and, and you know, it's a bit like the, the, the things caroline talks about with the paranormal she can't explain it she she couldn't she couldn't say why it was happening but the fact is she had what 40 police witnesses who experienced it as well many of which would have probably pooed the whole stuff before the point is is that we can't close ourselves off to there being something more than we experience in this moment. Like a dog's world is what they experience within the house. If they never let out of the house, they don't even know that there is, there's a park down the road. Their world Listen, is just- mate, I'm a subscriber to the 14 time. <laughs> I I've got know. my copy down there. And I, you don't have to lecture me on this. I'm going to keep on chipping away at you, Mark, because in 10 years from now, also, me and you'll be meditating together and we'll be doing yoga. Out of 100 of these, it's the plumbing. That's usually that's what most poltergeists are. It's the plumbing. Okay, that's oh. why on that BBC ghost thing they called him Mister Pipes because it was a bloody pipe. No, banging. but they're always Mark. There always is going to be. There is always going to be like every, every. There's going to be charlatans. There's going to be psychics that do the tours and that they just show people. But when you've met people, when you've experienced it, and you've met the real deal. There, there's just something about that you there's no denying and i know a lot i love this this is great conversation because i what i'm going to put out there and say you've never have you ever experienced like anything that you can't explain well there's you for a start <laughs> well there you go then there's proof proof that there's unknown things out in the world it's it's really fascinating i've Stranger experienced stuff. fiction i've experienced so much stuff in my life that i can't explain and i and i go into it with this completely open this is so fascinating no you don't i wonder what's possible <laughs> but i'm also grounded enough to know right we've got you've got you've got to do the work you're absolutely right you've got to take action you've got to you know whether it's writing putting the words on the page but 
the thing is, if you're not open to it, you're never going to see it. That's all I'll say. How convenient. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, that's, but that's, where, that's, where the, that's what's so wonderful about our two different worldviews. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and you will, be, you will be meditating with me and doing yoga in 10 years. You realise that? We'll be like on Sunday's retreat. <sighs> Dream on, Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. That was almost getting to Ben Aranovich territory. Me and Mark trying to convince each other. Do you know, there's a really cool, there's a really cool quote, which, uh, which is so true. Um, Dale Carnegie said it in his amazing book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is a really Another cheesy hack. title. <laughs> but brilliant, brilliant book. If you haven't read it, that's probably one of my favorite books of all time. And he said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Right? It's, yes, that's true. It's that's so true. true. And I think it's great. And we defend, we defend our football teams. We defend our, you know, whatever we stand for. And I think absolutely brilliant because without that, life would be so boring if we all agreed on everything. So very, very yeah. true. On that, on that, we can agree. Totally. Absolutely. And on that note, we should also mention that if you if you've enjoyed today's episode, join in with a debate. Yeah, let, let's open this out to people. I want to hear from every single listener who's used Law of Attraction to 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 finish their book to, you know, let's let's start getting some of you guys coming out the woodwork and start to show how many people are actually doing this, because I don't think Caroline's alone. I think there's a lot of people that people are kind of a bit scared to admit it. I mean, I'm out here talking on the podcast. I'm not scared to admit it at all, but I think you'd be surprised how many people out there are using these techniques are using these kind of belief systems to help them in there so if you have done that tell us your story um let us read out what happened um, make a public declaration if you haven't for this year that's another thing that we'd love to hear from you if you've got a plan for this year if you've made a resolution um, or not a resolution you want to create a new habit tell us what it is because we would like to share that with the world because again if you make that declaration it's far far more likely to happen because you get that little bit of extra encouragement and pressure from us but oftentimes that year can just drift by otherwise and it's another year wasted so please drop us an email you can, people can do that by coming to well the best way is probably to send us an email mark isn't it via the website contact us form Yes, website. don't don't do it on Facebook. Uh, they just the messages get just get lost, and they'll probably start charging us for them soon. But yeah, uh, bestsellerexperiment.com, You'll find a contact thing thingy there. Uh, drop down menu there. Also, Twitter messages, direct messages, uh, which is at bestsellerxp. So drop us a line. Get in touch. Excellent. And thank you again for everyone who's sending us their stories about the BXP 2020 challenge. If you have a story to tell, if it's changed your life, if you're struggling, if you're challenged with it, tell us. We want to learn from you and we want to see how we can make it even better to support you. So do again, drop us a line and tell us your stories and we will very likely read it out on the podcast. So Mr. State, I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope you don't get snowed in. I think I'm... Uh, <laughs> I, I might Seriously. have to. Seriously, folks, it is seriously snowing behind is, Mr. D. <laughs> Mark's been watching it as we've been, like all the furniture out in the garden has got this kind of little, little kind of like few inches of snow on it. And uh, yeah, I, I think I might have to go and build a snowman with the kids. That'd be a good. Yeah. A, a day well lived. Absolutely. Mm. Brilliant. Well, listen, everyone, wherever you are, stay warm or stay cool if you're on the other side of the world. And we will look forward to hearing from you and your stories and look forward to talking more about them on our next episode of the Bestseller Experiment. So it's a goodbye from Mark One. And a goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.